It's been said that every quilt tells a story, and it's so true. But I also believe every quilter has a story to tell. I wanted to hear about the people behind these wonderful quilts and thought you'd enjoy hearing about their lives also. Welcome to A Quilter's Life. Kelsey Pryor has gotten more and more involved in running her family's quilt shop, Just So, in Fort Thomas, Kentucky, where she gets to work with her grandmother, mother, and siblings. I had the privilege of interviewing her mother, April Pryor, on an earlier episode. Kelsey is an energetic young lady, and it was fun to dig into what all she does. Leading the Just So Along quilt group and having a podcast, are just a couple of the things that she is involved in. Well, thank you, Kelsey, for being on A Quilter's Life. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. I'm so glad that we get to do this. Let's start at where were you born and raised? Sure. So I was actually born in Seattle, Washington. That's where my dad's from. And then most of my life has been spent in the Northern Kentucky area. You said Northern Kentucky. Can you be a little more? So right now I live in Fort Thomas, but I've lived in like a couple different houses around Northern Kentucky, but it's just right over the river from Cincinnati. Okay. Do you have special memories from being raised in Kentucky? I do. Yeah. We used to live in a house out in the country and I'm the oldest of five. We used to just play outside all the time. I was also mostly homeschooled. So I just have lots of great memories here, but now we live in a town called Fort Thomas and it's a cute little walking town. It's actually where our quilt shop is located within walking distance of my house. So I really enjoy having the experience of living near the city, but also out in the country. Yeah, cool. What kind of things did you do in the country? Well, my brother and I are really close in age. So We just played outside all the time. And then every time a little sister was born, (laughs) they just kind of joined us right in there. And then my dad also worked from home, but he would sometimes like to go out and work at like from a coffee shop or library or something. So I enjoyed going with him to that and I could just take my school anywhere else with me. And then our family lives out there as well. So we would visit cousins or grandparents a lot. So my childhood is very full of all those types of memories. And we hosted a lot, too. Nice. So besides quilting, what other crafts do you do or have done? I feel like I've dabbled in a little bit of everything. Probably not everything, but just a lot. So um, I've crocheted. I have never really gotten that into knitting. I tried once. I, for some reason, it didn't hook on as well as my uh, crocheting did. But I loved to crochet and cross stitch and different types of paper crafts like scrapbooking and card making. My mom and grandma and aunt all used to do Stampin' Up, so I used to be really into that kind of thing, making greeting cards and stuff like that. And then various types of sewing. I've never been too into garment sewing, but I have made like different skirts and I know how to follow a pattern. It's just not as enjoyable for me as quilting is. And I really like bags, though. I make purses and bags sometimes. When I was probably nine, maybe ten, I designed my own purse because I really wanted to be able to take all of my pencils and my sketchbook when we lived at this house out in the country down to this little creek. 
And so I obsessed over this bag that I wanted to have like a book pocket and individual pencil pockets and stuff like that for all the things I wanted to carry around. (laughs) So I thought of making it into a pattern because then once I got really good at it, I made one for each of my sisters too, but I haven't made it in years. Did you use special material for that or... Well, the practice one I did on flannel, just because that's what I had on hand, and I didn't know anything about fabric. (laughs) And then it tore very easily, as you can imagine flannel would. But then we went to my first quilt show, was at the Duke Energy Center in downtown Cincinnati. It was a really, really big quilt show, and my whole like extended family and everyone all went. And that's when I discovered fat quarters, and I thought that they were magical. I just was like, wow, you can get a whole square fabric for 2 or $3. I thought it was amazing. And we found a couple booths that had fabric with fruit on it or wood. I was like, I can't believe this looks just like wood or leaves and stuff like that. So I found some watermelon fabric. And at that time, I was really into pink and green. So I made my first real purse out of this watermelon fabric that I found at this quilt show. So it wasn't too special, like material wise, but it was fun where I found it. Yeah. Now, do you have other hobbies? Yeah. Well, I used to play guitar and I don't anymore. I've always been kind of like, I get really into one specific hobby and then I usually move on to the next one. So Mm -hmm. it's actually surprising how long quilting has lasted. I made my first quilt. It was just a small hand sewn quilt, but I did it when I was 11 maybe. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't do it consistently up to this point, but for the past like three years, I've been a lot more into it than any other hobby I've been into. In the past, I've written a lot and I used to read all the time. I still try to read, but I don't do it as much as I used to. And I enjoyed making like at one point I tried to pick my own applique pattern. So I just dabble in different things. And then if I can't figure it out, then I'll move on to the next one. <laughs> so I've dabbled in lots of different stuff. I like to bake sometimes. It just really depends. Yeah. So who introduced you to quilting? So my grandma... And my mom have always sewn, and my mom's sisters as well. Sewing was always around me growing up. My mom made her clothes growing up, and my grandma made my mom's wedding dress. And so it's just kind of in the family. But my first quilt that I made when I was, I think I was 10, because I think it was my cousin's 10th birthday when my aunt took us to the craft store and gave us $10 each to spend. And it was like this huge deal. And I found a fat quarter bundle. This was at Michael's. So it was not high quality fabric (laughs) at all, but it was nine fat quarters and they were all pink, like tie dye. And I asked her to get it for me, even though it was $12 instead of 10. And I felt really bad asking, but for some reason really, really wanted it. So she finally got it for me. And I still feel kind of bad about it, but I'm like, okay, if you could know how much that spurred me on like the rest of my life, I think it was worth it. (laughs) So that night when we went home, my cousin was working on the project that she got and my aunt taught me how to cut out my pieces. And then it was a mixture of my grandma and my mom that taught me how to use a sewing machine. It was a really old Sears Kenmore, like tabletop, all metal machine. Mm -hmm. We used to belong to my grandma and now my mom has it. And then... I made a skirt with my mom. I think that's when she taught me how to use a machine. But this quilt was the first time and I made the whole thing by hand. And my mom really wanted me to make it by hand so that I would at least know that process. I think she knew that a machine would spoil me if I started right off then. So I did the whole thing by hand. It was just a small like nine patch lap quilt with these nine fat quarters from Michael's. 
But I learned a lot of lessons on that first quilt because it was all by hand and I didn't wash my fabric first, which nowadays I don't pre-wash my fabric, but I use mostly Moda fabrics. Mm -hmm. And so using this really like low quality fabric from Michael's and I was hand sewing it, I probably should have pre-washed it. So I made my whole top and my mom, that's when she realized that I hadn't washed it before I cut it. And so she thought we should probably wash the top before we quilt it in case there was any damage done to the top so I could fix it before it was quilted. And almost the entire thing came apart after we washed it. I was so sad. And she made me stick with it and fix it and quilt it and bind it. So I finished that whole thing by hand, even though it took me longer than probably any quilt today takes me, just because it took a lot of discipline to actually (laughs) try to finish that project. So I'm really grateful that I had that experience, but I haven't done a whole quilt by hand since then. Wow. That's a lot. Yeah. (laughs) I'm trying to picture what it looked like coming out of the wash. Oh, oh, it was so discouraging. You just see all these holes everywhere and all your knots that came undone and all the times you took stitches too big when you're impatient. And it was a really good lesson, though, (laughs) for sure. Can you describe your favorite quilt or quilt pattern? Sure. So my favorite quilt in terms of just how it looks that I've ever made is called Ombre Bloom. I actually don't remember the exact name. It's like an an ombre pattern using ombre fabrics. Mm -hmm. And the individual blocks look like tulips. And it was a lot easier than I thought it would be because it was mostly made up of flying geese units, half square triangles, two and a half inch squares, and then a little four patch block which were all a lot easier to make than I thought they would be. And I love how that quilt turned out just because the ombre, each tulip is made out of a jelly roll strip of ombre fabric. So at the fold, it got light. And then at the selvage, it got dark. And so when I cut up my two and a half inch squares, they actually look like different colors, even though they came from the same strip of fabric. So each tulip looks like it's fading. Mm -hmm. And I made it super fast because it was so much fun. (laughs) I stayed up for a few hours one night just working on it. And so I think it took me about a week to make that top. We don't have a long arm at our quilt shop, but for customers, we've taken quilts and we give them to another quilt shop that we've partnered with. But when I want to do my quilts, I rent a long arm about 40 minutes north of us. And so I do that a couple of times a month. I've done it often enough that usually they just let their customers do edge to edge But I asked them if they would let me try to custom quilt this one, and they did. And it turned out so pretty because I put in these tulip cornerstones. And there was like inset triangles because it was an on-point quilt. So all of the edges have like this tulip design. And then there's just an edge-to-edge filling it in on the inside. But those inset triangles are filled in with like custom designs. And that was a lot of fun for me to learn how to custom quilt. And then also kind of just embellish the pretty piecing that I did with even prettier quilting instead of just putting an edge-to-edge all over it. How neat. How about a favorite tool? Oh, okay. So I have lots of favorite tools, but I think the one I use the most consistently is my quarter-inch foot. I know you also interviewed my mom, and I don't know what she said, so I hope we don't say the exact same thing. But I love my quarter-inch foot because I think I learned that on the tulip quilt that I just talked about. With all of those different pieces, the four patches, the flying geese, and the half square triangles all going together, 
I was really nervous about my seams being perfect because I didn't want my corners to be cut off on those flying geese units. And the quilt I made previously to that was a flying geese quilt that in the corners were mostly cut off. And I couldn't figure out what was wrong with my seam because it looked fine. It was kind of confusing, actually. I still don't know what happened. But then I made this quilt with my quarter inch foot and I have never turned back because all of my points, all of my edges are so perfect. And I've never made anything where everything lines up so perfectly. (laughs) So I attribute a lot of that to my quarter inch foot. I know it's kind of the cheater's way of doing it, but if you have to make a quarter inch perfect anyways, might as well have a handy tool to help you make it perfect each time. Yeah. Neat. Which is your favorite part of the process? The favorite part of the process for me would be piecing for sure. I love piecing just because it changes with each quilt. With quilting, it's either expensive or time-consuming or not as much of a creative outlet for me. I still haven't found my favorite way of doing it. So far, I do really like renting that long arm I was just talking about, but it's still expensive. It's not as expensive as sending it out to be long-armed would be, but it's still a good chunk of cash, you know. I have hand quilted a baby quilt that I made and I enjoyed that process, but it took me a really long time. And I don't know that I'd want to do that too often. And then I also tried to free motion and stitch in a ditch on a machine and both times. I got so frustrated. <laughs> so, so quilting is my least part of the process. I somehow still get it done. But even right now I have a pile of three tops and the backings just sitting on my desk. Cause I don't know how I want to quilt them. And then the binding part process, I like a little bit more because I do hand bind most of my quilts and I like having a hand project to do every once in a while, just not one that takes me as long as it would to hand quilt something. So it's a nice change of pace to have something to hand bind. Mm -hmm. My next question is your worst quilting experience. Now, was that the same as your first quilt? That was a learning experience. I've had so many things go wrong on different quilts, but most of them have turned out fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's hard to say. I know one time I was renting a long arm and everything went wrong that day. I had three quilts to quilts and usually I can do two or three, but like the power went out. And when I went to refill my bobbin, I filled it with the wrong color and I did half the quilt in the wrong bobbin color. And I had to rip out a line of long arming, all that kind of stuff. But those are all on like different quilts. And it was just like that experience that was a little bit frustrating. It hasn't happened since then, thankfully. But another time was when I did try to free motion a quilt. And that quilt is still sitting in my closet unfinished because I don't know how to finish it. It was supposed to be a Christmas present for my mom. One of those presents with a promise. I gave it to her three years ago and it's still not finished. (laughs) (laughs) And each block, I wanted it to be kind of significant somehow. So some of them were like embroidery of me and my siblings, our middle names, Some of them were applique of different things I know she loves. And then some of them were panel blocks from scenes I knew that she would like. And I knew she would appreciate all the effort that went into the top of this quilt. And I was so happy with how the top of it turned out. This was before I learned about renting the long arms. And so I didn't know that was an option. So I tried to free motion it on my Baby Lock Jubilant machine which actually it was a Rachel. So if any of you guys are familiar with Baby Lock Rachel, the next space is super small. So I don't know what possessed me to try and do that. And also I didn't have a free motion foot. (laughs) (laughs) I did not know what I was doing. And I actually got like half of it done, but I lost all my patience and I haven't picked it up since then. (laughs) You know, it's like attached to the backing. So I can probably try to figure out how to get it on a long arm 
with the backing and the batting and the top all put together. I know there's ways to finish it. I just haven't had the uh, time or energy to pick it up again. (laughs) (laughs) So right now that's probably my worst unfinished project that I have just sitting here waiting for me. Wow. Yeah. That's going to take some mental. Oh yeah. For for sure. (laughs) Do you know why you make quilts instead of doing a different craft? Well, I was telling my mom recently, I don't know that I would make quilts as often as I do if I didn't have something to make it for, because most of my quilts are for display at the shop, or if I didn't have other people's projects to be thinking about. I love coming up with block of the months and kits. So I like making samples for that because I know it has a purpose. And I know when it's something that I get to pick out, I know I will enjoy the fabric and I get to pick out the pattern. It usually comes from some sort of inspiration. It's not like, well, now I have to come up with a new block of the month. Usually I'll see a pattern or I'll see a collection of fabric and get so inspired by it that I want to. So if I wasn't constantly in an inspirational space like my quilt shop, then I don't know that I would want to make quilts as often as I do. And I've also just found that quilters have, I know that you've experienced this. That's why you have this podcast. Quilters have really interesting stories. So it's a really interesting field to be in just because I didn't know any of that going into this when we started our shop. And I knew that I enjoyed sewing and I knew I enjoyed quilting, but it was also an expensive hobby. Like, I also don't know if I financially could have funded (laughs) this hobby without having a store. (laughs) So, yeah, it's just interesting being in the place where now it's what I do. Most of my time is either spent at the shop or at home sewing something new. And I really enjoy it and I haven't gotten bored of it. And I do think that that's just because when new fabric comes out or when new patterns come out, I get really excited about it. Or I have a place like I'm really active on our Facebook page and we have a sew along Facebook group. So those are all things that keep me excited about the hobby instead of getting burnt out like other hobbies have been for me. Yeah. neat. You mentioned making quilts for the store. Is that mainly who you make them for or do you make them for others? I haven't given away any quilts yet because most of the time it is for the shop or it is for myself. Honestly, I'm a little bit shocked by how many people give quilts away (laughs) with how much effort goes into them. We have so many customers who just are constantly making charity quilts or quilts for other people. And I don't have any like kids or nieces or nephews or anything like that to give quilts to. And I thought of a few friends that I'd want to give quilts to. And most of the time I haven't had time for it yet because I am making so many samples, but I actually have made three baby quilts for me (laughs) for whenever I have kids and I'm not married or anything yet, but I spent so much time. They're all three partially pieced and partially appliqued. And one of them is the one that I hand quilted and the other two I custom long armed. And so I just put a lot of thought and effort into them and they have like this nice minky backing and I designed the applique on two of them. So just a lot more thought went into those and they're all kind of matching. So I want them to stay together. So that's kind of why I have decided to keep those ones because of all the creativity and energy. And I am excited for when I do have kids that I could give quilts to. And I keep hearing all these parents telling me that once I have kids, I won't have time for it. So I thought, well, might as well <laughs> just make a bunch of quilts now and we'll see how many kids I have later. <laughs> so I have three and I have two more that I'm planning. And again, it's mostly just inspired by the fabric itself. I don't know how many kids I'll end up having. 
hopefully enough for how many quilts I'm making. And then if I have extra, I can just give them away. But (laughs) right now, those are the only ones I've made that technically aren't being used or have been given to anyone yet. But I have made other projects for people like wedding gifts and stuff like that, mostly just like pillows or some little throw or something like that. But I haven't gotten too into making them as gifts. I think there's a generosity thing I need to learn there. (laughs) (laughs) What are you working on right now? What I'm working on right now is a half square triangle quilt. It's a queen size quilt of all half square triangles. And the reason I decided to do this one is because I finish quilts very quickly. And so I always have a project multiple usually that I'm working on. And that's why I have so many tops because I finish the piecing process usually very quickly. But my personal project and my projects for the shop usually go fast enough that I at some point will stall out for a second and then I'll try to figure out what's the next thing I'm doing. And then I brainstorm too much. And then all of a sudden I have a backlog of like 10 quilts that I want to make. So I decided to try to make one that will slow me down a little bit for a personal project. This one's not a sample. And I want to make a quilt for myself for each month of the year. It was each season. So I had four ideas and then I kept getting so many ideas that I thought, well, now I want one for each month. So (laughs) eventually when I have a living room to decorate, I will be decorating it and all of my seasonal quilts. So right now, the personal one I'm working on will be for July. So it's patriotic themed. And I've been collecting various red, white, and blue fabrics for a couple of months now. So it's not just from my shop. It's from other shops that I visited as well. Hmm. And I'm using the cake mix papers, which are my favorite way to make half square triangles. So I guess that would be maybe my second tool. It's not really a tool. It's more like a supply. But I love cake mix papers. They're the best way to use a layer cake and to make half square triangles that are all the perfect size. So that plus my quarter inch foot means that all my points always line up when I'm using half square triangles. So I love that. So they're made for 10 inch squares. So for layer cake squares, but they also have cupcake mixes, which are for charm packs. So they're five inch squares. And that's why that's how I'm making all my half square triangles. But it's taking me a long time. And I'm doing two layer cakes worth. So also two cake mixes worth of fabric. So it's going to end up being like between 800 and 1,000 half square triangles, I think. So I don't know how many of those I'll use because I want it to be really scrappy looking. It's the first quilt that I've tried to make really scrappy with tons of different fabrics from different collections. Usually I stay within a certain collection that we have, but this one's kind of all over the place. And I got inspired by a quilt in the book, Oh Scrap. It's a book that one of my favorite scrappy books but this is the first one that I'm making in it. And I just think it's really, really pretty. So that's what I'm working on right now. Cool. That will be neat. Yeah. Can you share a tip with me about quilting? I feel like I have a lot of tiny tips that I say a lot in the videos that I make for the shop. For audio, <laughs> coming up with one is a little bit harder. I think what my favorite tip is just how I have my sewing corner set up. So I still live at home with my four siblings and my parents and my grandparents. So I have everything set up in my bedroom. And I do sew in the living room a lot with my mom. We'll move it down there for like movie nights and stuff like that. But if I'm sewing in my room, I really like having my machine with my wool pressing mat next to me and my mini iron all the time. 
Because mm-hmm. as I'm sure that everyone knows, ironing is big of a deal and quilting as the sewing is. So <laughs> I love having that next to me all the time. And the mini iron that we have is so hot. So it presses the seams either open or closed really, really well. I'm just pressing all the time. And so I love having that. I think it's a 13 inch mat next to me. So it's big enough to do most full size blocks too when you're finished putting the whole block together. But I also love my rotating cutting mat. I have two different sizes and that is what I use to cut apart my cake mix paper. So since that's the project I'm working on right now, I'm using it a lot. So when I have like a, either a block that I'm truing or my cake mix papers that I'm cutting apart and I don't want to move my fabric around all the time, I just cut it on my rotating cutting mat. And if you guys haven't seen one before, what it is, the mat itself rotates. So it's like two pieces. One of them stays stationary on the table and the top one will spin around. And so it's really helpful when you're trying to either true all four sides of a block or a piece, or I have a mini rotating cutting mat for truing my half square triangles. I don't use that for the cake mix papers because those don't need to be trued. But for other projects, if I'm making half square triangles, I use my mini rotating cutting mat and my four and a half inch block lock ruler, which are perfect for truing half square triangles. So those are all things that I try to have on hand all the time. So I don't know if that counts as a tip. But those are all things that I've just made quilting a lot more enjoyable for me. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that works. Yeah. I wanted to ask you, your mom did share a little bit about how you guys came up with the name. I'm wondering if your story is the same as how you came up with the name Just So for your quilt shop. Oh, sure. (laughs) Well, I remember we were at my grandma's house and still brainstorming even opening a quilt shop. And we were kind of like, well, what should we name it? And we were all kind of throwing around ideas. Mom is the one that had the idea for Just So. But I think my brother is the one that came up with our slogan, which is Studio and Store, Quilting and More. I think they both came up with it that same day. And we had all these like cute creative ideas. Like one of mine was Bobbins and Bolts. But then someone told me that actually sounds like a hardware store if you don't know what a bolt is. And all that kind of stuff. (laughs) We had a bunch of ideas using puns, like with the word seam. But my mom was just, I just want it to be simple. Like, I just want it to be like, you're just sewing. And then so finally, she just said, just sew. (laughs) (laughs) And so that's kind of how the name came up. And then my brother came up with the slogan. And we were all surprised by that. We were like, oh, wow, that's actually perfect. (laughs) (laughs) That's neat. Sounds like you all had a part in it. Yeah, yeah. It was fun. Very much a group effort. Yeah. You mentioned your sew along. Uh-huh. It's called Just Sew Along. I thought that was so neat. Yeah, yeah. So it's our store name, Just Sew, and then Just Sew Along. We do a lot of block of the month. So I wanted a group where I could post videos about the block of the month or people could post pictures of what they're working on to feel a little bit more like a community. And I had that idea, well, not during quarantine, more like the middle of COVID, when I felt like people were still looking for community and we weren't doing classes anymore. And so I wanted to be posting more videos and I wanted people to have a place where they can share all the stuff that they've made, especially because lots of them were making the exact same quilt because we have a lot of block of the months going on. So I thought it'd be cool if they could see each other's progress, but also keep each other accountable to actually finishing it. So that's just so along. And it's been a lot of fun the past two or three months that we've had that to kind of see where it goes as well. That'll be fun. That's neat. Now, if someone wanted to join in on that, do they need to wait for a beginning of a of a group or is that no. ongoing? 
That's ongoing. So it's just a Facebook group. So you can just search for Just So Along on Facebook. Or if you already follow us on Facebook, we're Just So. It's a page. And then you can look at our groups. So that's one of our groups. You can just request to join. And then I have to accept you, but I usually go in and accept people every day. We have like 160 people in there right now. And lots of them aren't even doing our block of the month. Some of them are just people that found us on Facebook, which is kind of nice because they can kind of see the community that we've built and maybe want to get in on it as well. So you can join the Facebook group whenever, but we have announcements for all of our upcoming block of the months on there and on our Facebook page. And then we post videos on YouTube as well. So those are kind of the two places we do most of our stuff is on Facebook and then a little bit on YouTube. I did get to watch a couple of your YouTubes and you do a great job. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Well, tell me about your podcast. Oh, yeah, sure. So I have a podcast called Strength and Dignity, and it's a faith-based podcast that I've been doing for a couple months now. It got started because I published my book called Strength and Dignity, which is a Bible study that I wrote for young women based off of Proverbs 31. And it's 10 chapters, and each chapter has a different author that contributed to it. So I got to work with six other amazing people putting this book together. One of those is my mom, another is my grandma, but the rest are all friends. I wanted to have different age ranges of women contributing to this. So I'm 21, and then two of my friends who are the same age, and then a couple of adult friends in their like 30s, and then my mom, and then my grandma. So I feel like I had a pretty good variety of experiences. And I was really excited because it's a Bible study. It's not just a book. And I thought if people want more resources around this study or if someone's leading the study and they want something extra outside of the book to either help them out or give them some context or a little bit of teaching or something like that. So that's why I started the podcast. And the first couple episodes are me interviewing my co-authors. So I think that's the first six episodes. And then, yeah, and then it kind of went on from there. I kind of do my episodes in series. So I had my Strength and Dignity series, and then I had my Christian Lifestyle series, which I'll probably do another Christian Lifestyle one soon. And then I did a whole series on the Sabbath, which is about six episodes long. And then just this Monday, I finished my series on the biblical festivals. So I'm kind of nerdy when it comes to some of those (laughs) theological topics. (laughs) So I know not everyone is interested in them, but part of my point is around making the podcast is so that other Christians can see how some of this stuff in the Bible that we sometimes overlook can be applicable to their lives and God's heart behind it. And I think that the biblical festivals is one of the best things that he gives us to equip other believers, anyone that follows Jesus. And so I wanted to do a whole series showing people how God has done that throughout the Bible. And so I just finished that and I'm not sure what my next series will be. It could be another lifestyle one just to keep it a little bit more simple since I just got off (laughs) a kind of heady theological topic. But (laughs) so yeah, that's kind of what it's like now. It's still pretty new, but I've been enjoying it. That's so great. Yeah. We'll have to look into that. Is there anything else you would like to share with me today? I don't know. You ask such good questions. (laughs) I love quilting and I love that you're doing this podcast and I can't wait to hear the lives of other quilters that you're able to kind of take a peek into because I think everyone has their own reason for quilting. I've been surprised by how many of them have more traumatic, like something that happened in the past and quilting has kind of helped be almost a therapy to them. Mm -hmm. Some people, it's just a hobby, but I've been lately really fascinated by that side of it, of how creativity can help 
heal either sad or traumatic things that have happened in people's past. So that's one of the reasons I think that quilting is a little bit more than just a hobby. It's something that um, has cultivated a community for hundreds of years and something that still is helping people heal today. And so I love being able to be a part of that. So thanks so much for doing all these interviews. Oh, thank you. Thanks for chatting with me today. Yeah, absolutely. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. I'm so glad you joined me for this episode of A Quilter's Life. You can find more stories on aquilterslife.com or subscribe on your favorite podcast player so each episode will be downloaded automatically. If you're enjoying this podcast, would you consider leaving a review as it helps others to find the show? Also, I want to hear about you and your wonderful quilts. Please contact me, Paula Chamberlain, through the website or a Quilters Life Facebook group to set up an interview. And as always, thanks for listening.